This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Nick and Joe with you. What an episode we have for you today. Octogenarians doing work. An affordable golf course for sale. What is the beverage responsibility of someone that makes a hole-in-one and a mini Tiger tournament? Nick, that's the rundown. It's a lot to get to. It's yeah, it's like it's like when you go to Baskin Robbins and you're gonna have like some of the chocolate and some of the pistachio and some of like the, the mint chocolate chip. It's all these crazy flavors that don't belong together. Maybe you throw some gummy bears on top of that and like these things that they don't really relate to each other, but you're just gonna do it all anyways. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? I don't even know what the name of it is. So I, I've been on a moose tracks kick. Mm. lately the last since i've been married last six years uh but i i got a flavor the other day it was like some sort of the word fun was in the name but it was like chocolate chip cookie dough reese's peanut butter cups chocolate ice cream fudge swirls uh like all everything you could imagine all in one all in and from an from an ingredient standpoint it was the best ice cream i ever had like it wasn't the best like creamiest richest whatever but just from an ingredient flavor standpoint it was the best ice cream i ever had I've been really on birthday cake ice cream. You ever have birthday That's cake disgusting. ice cream? Yes. Oh, we had disgusting. birthday cake ice cream. It sat in our freezer and we eat a lot of ice cream. Like <laughs> it sat in our freezer for three years. Like it was a joke. My dad would come oh. and visit and we'd be like, dad, there's some birthday cake ice cream. And he would like be the only, he'd have like a scoop every visit for like four visits from the same tub and nobody would touch it. So that's, Is it still that's in there? surprising. No, we, when we moved, when we moved houses, we got rid of it. Well, make sure you have some in April for me. I will. I'm going to look forward to it. I'll buy it this weekend. Yes. And it'll still be sealed when when you come to visit in April. That sounds perfect. Awesome. You want to start with the Tiger Mini Golf Tournament? Do you know anything about this? Have you heard about this? Yeah. I've I've 
heard about it. I've, I've seen the tweets. Mm. I've seen a little bit of context. I'm still extremely confused. Um, from what I can tell, it looks like Tiger and Rory are are, are creating an indoor like simulator <laughs> golf tournament league. So that's actually another thing that Tiger is doing. So that is that is a different piece of it. Tiger and Rory are are in fact doing an indoor golf league that people are apparently going to go and pay these professionals to hit into a track man. And then there'll be like virtual golf holes. If Tiger and Rory are behind it, I suppose I have to think it's going to be at least a little bit cool, but it sounds pretty stupid to me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a chance, but it's just funny that they're like, we're, we're not, we're not copying live. We're not responding. We're not doing this because of live. And then like, all of these things pop up. So apparently what you're talking about, I haven't heard of because there's a different tiger like spinoff golf competition. There is. And I'll get to it in a second, but I have to remind you to please rate and review at the turn. Let us know what you think about the track man tour or whatever they're calling it that Rory and tiger are going to be doing. Give us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. It is very much appreciated. We are as always brought to you by Piper golf. Go to piper.golf for 10% off incredible golf balls, all kinds of lids. The merch is expanding. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout. So there's a thing called Pop Stroke, which seems to be a mini golf version of Top Golf. And it's in Florida. There's two 18-hole mini golf courses designed by Tiger Woods. And you can either pay $250 to enter the individual competition or $500 to enter the team competition. First prize for the individual competition is five grand. First prize for the team competition is $20,000. In the team competition, you have to play four rounds. So it's a 72-hole event. Not that it's grueling, it's mini golf. And there's a cut after 36 holes, after 54 holes. And I mean, it looks like a, a pretty intense version of miniature golf, as you would expect something that Tiger Woods designed to be but i guess if i had a lot of money to burn and i lived in florida maybe this is something i'd be into maybe lt gray shows up but it seems kind of weird i don't think it's necessarily a response to live golf i don't think tiger is no playing this as is, much golf as he used to he's just doing weird shit like this which is fine for him yeah this is not a response to live golf so this this is I, i'm just watching the uh the actual yeah, full video promo vid because i watched you sent me the, the link I opened it. I saw some like big promotional like intro to the thing. And I'm like, oh, this is the indoor thing with Tiger and Rory. I've, I've seen this a million times. No. So, so Pop Stroke, I do remember a couple of years ago, Tiger was like, yeah, I'm, I'm starting a new venture. I'm, I'm doing, you know, like kind of like taking mini golf, but for adults, I guess. Like, yeah, basically. Okay. So it seems sure. like, like, a, like a mini golf course on steroids. Like, yeah. A mix between a kid's mini golf course and like the putting course at, at Pinehurst, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess it makes sense to having this crazy championship. I would, I don't know. If I guess if I were in Orlando, I would, yeah. maybe I would play at this yeah. pop stroke thing. I don't think I would enter a competition. Um, it's a little weird. I see all these business ventures popping up, you know, with like Tiger associated with them. I don't get the feeling Tiger is like, Laying in bed at one thirty in the morning, being like, "Oh, this this pop stroke thing is such a great idea. I have got to do this." I think it's more like he's in a he's in a room with Steiny, and Steiny's like, "All right, we got these hundred proposals. One of them is is you know pop stroke. I think it could really improve your 
approval rating with, you know, the, the eight to 12 year olds plus like, you know, the 40 year old mothers and fathers and whatever. And he's like, okay, sure. Let, let's, let's do that one. Um, Cause I can't imagine really, really tiger getting too jazzed about pop stroke or about this indoor simulator league. Um, but here we are. I don't know. I don't really, ha- I don't really have a whole lot to add to this. Well, I mean, I think that's a good point. He's, you know, perhaps reaching the very thin slivers of demographics that don't already either enjoy or know about Tiger Woods. The tournament is fine. It's kind of whatever. What I wanted to ask you is what is your, what is your, what's your take on mini golf in general? Do you like it? Like, like, do you like it more than bowling? That's a tough question. That's a tough question. Do you like, like bowling? It more than bowl- I kind of do like bowling. That's oh. the thing. I kind of like bowling, and I've got this unfulfilled bowling, not unfulfilled bowling itch, but, like, Ashley hates bowling. So, like, it's not <laughs> even an option. Like, bowling is not is not even an option. I haven't I haven't bowled since I've met her. But I, I, I used to enjoy going bowling, like, I don't know, once or twice a year, having some beers, okay. roll the balls. Yeah. But you don't have your you own golf on your own shoes and all that kind of stuff. Let me let me let me say this. Okay. If if I were on my own and just made 100 percent of my own decisions, I would I would probably <laughs> That's not the case right now. What? I don't think I've That's made not the case. No, not a hundred percent. Not a hundred percent. Okay, fair. Um I would probably go bowling twice a year and I'd probably play mini I don't know if I would play mini golf because I, I enjoy it when people are like, oh, Nick likes golf. I don't, but I want to hang out with them in a golf setting. And like, I played mini golf with Ashley and my dad a couple of years ago. Right. That was, I had a great time. I loved it. Um, but I, I, I'm not like, man, I got to get out there and play mini golf. I haven't done that in a while. Like Gavin, Gavin's pretty close to being able to play mini golf. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to take him to play yeah. mini golf. Like, right. But like, if it was just me, like, what am I going to do with, with, you know, the next two hours? Like, you know, mini golf is not like, the number one thing on my list. Bro, do you want to get a couple of loops in real quick? I got 90 minutes to kill. I'm okay. always going to want to go to the range or like putt on a real green or chip. Um, I get it. It's fun. It's like exactly what it says it is, right? It's mini golf. So you can literally do it with anyone. It's like top golf where non-golfers still enjoy it because anyone mm-hmm. can hit a ball with a putter and there's enough randomness in mini golf. There's skill obviously involved, but there's a certain level of randomness where it can bounce around and you can make a hole in one, even if you're not a golfer. And so I get the enjoyment of it, but yeah, unless you're like at a Pinehurst or Bandon has the big punch bowl, which is like, you know, this 5,000 square foot green that has all humps and you can play a whole course around it and stuff like that. Like that to me is really cool. Mini golf this go with God. I hope everyone has a great time. I don't know. There. I assume there's some sort of like miniature golf circuit and people who are professionals at this. Um, there's always weird videos bouncing around on Instagram of people from the eighties, like playing on ESPN two and shit like that. But I don't know of anyone who does like professional mini golf. Now it's fun. Tiger's names attached to it. That's really all I have on it. Yeah. Mini golf is all about the hole in ones. Cause like, yeah. that's when you get the most oh, yeah. enjoyment when somebody you're not expecting, like, you know, rolls in a 70 footer, like through the yeah. clown's mouth. That that's awesome. Competitive mini golf is just not a thing. No, it's <laughs> at least not for us. Um, Nick, I, I did something that I don't usually do. Uh, I, I, I practiced a lot last week. And so I was at the driving range and boy, I came across something that was exciting. I had a bucket of balls and I hit most of them. And with about 10 left, I noticed 
I had a rogue in there. It wasn't the typical driving range ball. I looked down and it said Titleist, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Let me check this out. Looked at the side, it said Pro V1. And then after close inspection, it was a pristine Pro V1 golf ball. Now, would you rather take that golf ball and put it in your bag for play on the course? Or would you rather do what I did, which is hit all the shitty practice balls and save the Pro V1 for last? Because then you have a couple of things going on. A more true measurement of how you're actually striking the ball because you're not hitting beat up range balls. And as close as you possibly can, simulating the pressure of the round by having the execution of, okay, it all comes down to this Pro V1 ball. Yeah. You you can't. You can't be pulling balls out of your bucket of balls and sticking them in your bag. Oh, okay. I do not care what the circumstance is. Like, unless unless I show up at the driving range and and it's a it's a vice pro with an at the turn logo on the side that I just like <laughs> hit in there like a week ago and I hit it into the range and it got picked up and recycled into my bucket. Even under those circumstances, because nobody around me has any context for what I'm doing. I don't think you can just pull a, a ball out of your bucket of range balls and stick it in your bag. I almost don't care what the circumstance is. There's, you know what? Once that ball ends up on the range, it's it's a range ball. It, you know, I, I like what you did. Like you, you created pressure so you could practice under pressure, which is important. You said, this is do or die, man. This is like, I've got one shot to execute what I need to do. And that, that's, that's what you got to do. So, Good on you for doing the right thing. I don't I I just don't see a scenario in which it's ever okay to stick a ball from your bucket of range balls in your bag. Just yeah. Based on the small focus group, I think we're in the minority. I asked, I would say probably five or six people this question, and they all said put it in your bag without hesitation. They're like, you gotta take that ball. It's too nice of a ball. And I didn't really argue because I wanted to get people's opinion without me coming back at them. So I'm pleasantly surprised that we agree on this. But I don't even think it's like stigma is the reason why I wouldn't do it. I just, it's almost like having this really cool opportunity that is so unique on a driving range. It's like, and because I thought I was, because I was really working on the driver and I thought I was hitting the driver well with the practice balls. But, you know, some were in such bad shape that they would kind of stop flying after a couple hundred yards. And I was like, is this me? <laughs> and then I, I got to the point and I actually hit the Pro V well. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that it, you know, flew all the range balls pretty easily. So I was like, OK, it's sort of reinforced. Now, if I would have duck hooked that onto the par three course where I was practicing, I might feel a little bit different about it. But because I was able to execute, I feel good about the decision. And yeah. I, I I do also think it's a little bit weird to take a, a, a ball you find at a driving range and put it in your bag because it's like when you buy a car and you don't have the history with it. Sure, it looks nice. Your buddy who knows cars looks at the engine and says, yeah, it looks good. You take it around the block. I don't know the previous owners. This, this golf ball could have been at the bottom of the lake and someone fished it out and it looks decent. And I'm trying to make a putt with this thing for a 70 and shoot two under par. And I get it offline. And the karma, the karma, the golf gods are smiting me. And I would miss the putt because of it, Nick. 
These sorts of things go through my yeah. head. Yeah, and like Joe, if you need Pro V ones, you just you you have you have Pro V ones. Like you know what? And if you're losing enough golf balls, you're in the woods often enough to to find. If you really need like secondhand Pro V ones, like just find them in the woods. Do what you got. Like I don't well, know. It's like it's it's like it's like in Tin Cup. Doesn't he roll up to the driving range and it's like it's like all titles and he's. Yeah, look at his caddy. Like, hey man, what's when he's in the back? Like, you know, <laughs> Romeo's trying to take him in and put steal all the free balls. Well, fortunately, I don't need any Titleist golf balls because I play Piper Golf. Go to Piper Golf. Use that promo code Turn Ten at checkout. If it was a Piper, I probably would have stashed it, Nick. I probably would have stashed. Although I don't have to because they're really affordable golf balls, premium golf balls yeah. for a less than premium price. And, Piper. and they fly straight. They do. They do. They absolutely do. Um, okay. Did you see this story about this dipshit who bought an entire flight, a, uh, a drink after making a hole in one? Uh, yeah, I did. I did see that. And, uh, <laughs> at first when I read the headline, man buys drink for an entire flight after eggs. I, I thought he was in a tournament, like in the D flight and he just bought like 12 <laughs> guys in the D flight, you know, like a, <laughs> Like a Bud, light after, a Bud Light after the drink, you know, we had the $18 bar tab after that, and, yeah. and we all went on our way. And I, I saw there was a, an actual flight. He was like still in his golf clothes. Like the more, the more I learned about this guy and saw him and heard him speak, the more it's just like you, you, you kind of can't blame him for any of it, but you're also like very sad for him. Yeah. So some context um, on. The flight where this guy bought the entire flight a drink after making a hole in one was Haley Ledbetter, who is I think she's like director of social media content for Golf Digest. She's she's always making great videos and is one of the stars of Golf Digest and their social media platform. And so she's on this flight. And of course, she's like, oh, this is a plus content for Golf Digest. And she's right, because not only did he buy drinks the entire flight. The interview that was recorded in the baggage claim, you could tell he was at least, you know, six to 10 drinks deep. Yes. And, and it was amazing because you don't realize it until the video is halfway through and then you read farther down. It's this drunk guy explaining the story and the shot that he made. And Haley Pause. In, in like blue golf pants. <laughs> like, yeah, like uh, Ian Poulter would wear. <laughs> Totally. And, you know, Haley's doing such a good job of holding up the fake microphone to his mouth and so forth. But you could tell that this guy is sort of enamored with the person who's recording the footage. And he refers to the person as Michelle. Well, come to find out, if you keep reading, Michelle Wee was with Haley Ledbetter, and that's who's recording the video. So this guy is like, okay, okay, Haley, okay, Haley. But Michelle Wee is recording this video. So he's obviously preoccupied with that. It's a really funny video. It's it's all over golf Twitter. I'm sure you've seen it, or if you haven't, very easy to find. Would would you rather make a hole in one or do anything else golf related that Michelle Wee wants to record an interview with you? Yeah, that's that's the win here. Like, are you going to be telling your kids, your grandkids, his great grandkids, maybe about about the hole in one or about Michelle Wee recording your interview about the hole in one and explaining how important she is to golf? Like, that's the coolest part. Yeah, 2014 U.S. Open winner wants to record me talking about a thing I did for golf. Of course, Michelle and Haley have probably enjoyed a couple of drinks as well, and we're having a good time with this. But yeah, it's pretty cool. And of course, he was being so modest about it. It's like, oh, yeah, choked out three wood from 225, didn't really hit it great. And it's like, 
shut the fuck up, dude. Like, if you're going to buy this flight a drink, you want to talk about this yeah. shot. Let's not, you're not pretend being like. Modest. Yeah. You're- I want everybody to know on this airplane that I had a hold of one just in case Michelle Wee or somebody of her stature is on this flight. And lo and behold, because he was probably presumably flying out of San Francisco, um, that, you know, Michelle Wee and Haley Ledbetter were on the flight. Like, that's, that's his. Yeah. Exactly right. More to the point, Nick. Where does it end? Where does buying drinks end? And I'll, I'll, I'll quickly, for folks who haven't heard me talk about this, which I have many times in this podcast, I've made two hole-in-ones at a pitch-and-putt course, but the pitch-and-putt course is on a larger complex full of bars and a hotel, and there's weddings there, and it's like a big, gigantic property, concerts. So when you are around and you make a hole-in-one, there's quite a few people to buy drinks for. So I ran up a $100 tab. I was happy to do it. It was a fun day. Even if I was to make a hole-in-one, let's say at Bandon Dunes, okay? And I have a puddle jumper flight back to Portland that night. My last round, I make an ace, let's just say on 17. I run to the clubhouse. I buy some drinks for people. I'm on the plane. I don't think that I'm going to offer that plane a drink. The experience is at the golf course. It ends there, right? Yeah, I think I think you're like true obligation is is to your group, right? You're you're foursome. All right, drink drinks for the round, drinks for drinks for the group. Yeah, you, know, you go you go to the bar, take a look around. All right, there's only like eight people in here. That that's your call. You want you want to get the bar around? That's your call. You don't have to. Your obligation is to your group, the the witnesses to your accomplishment. Outside of that, you're really just bragging. You can do what you can buy your whole flight a, a drink if you want everyone to be looking at you in your dumbass blue pants, or you could just keep it to yourself and appreciate what just happened. <laughs> so, would you ever have a mental cap on the amount that you could spend? Because that's, I, yes, that's the oh, first. That's the first really? thing you think is like, yeah, because I, well, I don't know if you recall, but I. I Almost had a hole in one to the point where we actually ran up to the green because we thought I made it on like a top of the line resort course in Bend, where if I had to buy drinks for people, it's probably like a $500 bill I was going to ring up. So part of me was obviously thrilled at the potential of an ace. A bigger part of me was like, holy shit, I have to tell Lacey that not only did I spend 700 bucks in this golf trip, an extra 500 worth on top of it because I made a hole in one and I was too prideful to say, guys, I'm not going to buy you all a drink. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, how many people are in, are in that scenario at that bar? I mean, it was like two o'clock on a Sunday in July. So, so you're, buy, you're buying the whole bar a drink. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You got to buy the whole bar a drink. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You know, I'm like, okay, if, if there's not a lot of people in the bar, okay. But, you know, like I said, my for me, my obligation is is the other three guys or or ladies in my group. You're you're the ones who were here with me. You were ride or die. You know, you were you were waking up at, at 3 30 in the morning for our for our stupid, you know, 545 tea time. Uh, you know, again, if I roll into the corner club and, and there's okay. like yeah. eight guys in there, sure. You know what? This one's on me. But but uh yeah, I don't I don't think you're obligated. Like I said, I'll, I'll take I'll take an inventory of what's going on. I'll be calculating it in my head. Like this is going to be five hundred bucks. I don't know. Was was it at Pebble Beach? And like I'm happy to drop five hundred dollars because that's just 
you know, equaling my tea time and my right. grains fee, like, okay, maybe it's worth it. But was it at like, I don't know, some, some random course that I don't really feel like I need to drop $500 for, for no reason. Cause I was out on a Tuesday and happened to make a one. I have, I have a perfect example. So I was out at Wildwood probably like two months ago. Of course we've played. Very middle of the road, nice public course. They have a bar and a whole deck. So typically there'll be somewhere around a dozen or two people hanging out after the round, having a drink. The group ahead of us, there were guys our age. And the par three, the teen area is very close to the green that we were pitching up to. And we heard a roar that was not a birdie roar. It was a hole-in-one roar. And we see someone starting to sprint towards the hole. And sure enough, he made a hole in one. We all went over, gave him a high five. Well, one group, there were just one group ahead of us. So when we got, we rolled into the 18th, he had a bag of beers waiting for us. And apparently he bought like three people a bag of beers. And I was like, that's the right move because it's not like, what do you guys want? It's like, here's the cheapest beer they have. I'm fulfilling my obligation of buying you a beer. This tab is going to be 40 bucks, not enough to break the bank. You make good with the golf gods and you leave it at that. I think that's the perfect medium. I, I love that because you do you do want to socialize with it, right? You don't you don't want to run from it. You don't want to hide. You don't want to duck out. Yeah. At the same time, you don't you don't need this to be like to go affect your credit score, you know? <laughs> totally. Because then like I was able to ask him afterward, I was like, the one thing I kept saying to my group about you was how do you compose yourself to play the rest of the round? And he's like, I didn't. I think I played the last four holes in like seven over, but I didn't give a shit because I made a one. And I was like, okay, perfect. That's exactly my mindset too, is there's no way I could compose myself after that point. Yeah, I, I, I like that. The moral of the story is if you see Michelle Wee on your flight after a hole in one, buy everyone drinks and you'll probably end up on the Golf Digest social media pages. Exactly. Um, Nick, before we get to the thing you posted in here, I, I do want to quickly hit on Joanne Carner. Did you did you follow this doing the U.S. Senior Women's Open? Um, I, I did see some some of her uh, some of her action. Yeah. So this is forty three time LPGA Tour winner Joanne Carner, eighty three years old. She teed it up in the U.S. Senior Women's Open, and she shot her age not once, but twice. Nick and I don't know, dude, that to me is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Someone in a USG event, USGA event in their eighties shooting their age. And the best part about it was such a golfer. I watched her post round interview and they said, you know, the media is so excited about it because it's such a cool story. And this woman competing and, you know, it's not like she's having her caddy pick up her ball out of the hole. Like she's doing it all herself and teeing up her ball, which is amazing in itself at that age. And they're like, Joanne, are you are you proud of your accomplishment? And she kind of glared at the reporter and goes, I shot 83. I missed the cut by six. No, I'm not happy. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. And I mean, I guess it makes sense. Someone who has won 43 times in the LPGA Tour is probably not thrilled about hanging 83 up a couple times. But the reporter thought, oh, you know, it's kind of the end of her career. Maybe she'd be excited about it. And she's like, shit, no. I shot 83. Yeah, it, it's too bad this tournament isn't older. I believe I could be way off. I believe that the U S senior women's open is only like three or four or five years Correct. old. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the fifth. Yeah. Um, it's too bad. This wasn't going on when she was like, I don't know, 55, 60, 65. Yeah. She is the only woman to have won the U S girls, junior, the U S women's and, 
and the U.S. Women's Open. So if she were in her like senior prime to add a U.S. Senior Women's Open, that would be like not only a career, but like a lifetime, like literally a lifetime from the time you were like a junior before 18 to an amateur, like a college, just a young buck to a professional in the prime of your career to a senior open. Like that would be epic. And she's got, you know, one of the, a, a legendary U.S. senior women's open moment with this accomplishment anyways, even if it's not up to her standards, she's, she's left her legacy on, you know, all of those um, USGA events. And one other really interesting note about her is uh, when she was a pro, her and her husband would drive from tournament to tournament with uh, an Airstream trailer, which after our last conversation about golf road trips, like that is just like, she seems so badass. Um, she's just living her best golf life, rolling around with her husband and with an Airstream trailer, going to these, going to these um, LPGA events. Like that's, that's awesome. Literally a living legend. And, you know, it was, it was funny because I think I played, oh gosh, like three rounds in three days or something like that. And I was complaining to Lace about my back hurting. And then literally when I got on Twitter, when I got home, I saw the story of Joanne Carter and I was like, Hey, check out this 83 year old lady shooting her age in a USGA event. And I'm complaining about my back. (laughs) It just, it's really good to not only inspire women, women of a certain age, but really everybody just to show like, Hey man, life is long and you can do a lot regardless of what your age is. I just, it's, it's one of my favorite stories of the year. Yeah. Love it. All right, Nick, time to invest in some real estate. What do you got? Well, we talked a while back about a, about a golf course that was for sale and what mm-hmm. the price was. And I don't even remember what, what made me Google this morning, golf courses for sale, but my, my one-month-old daughter fell asleep in my lap, and, and parents out there, you know when, when that happens, like, you're not moving, you're not getting up, you're not going to the bathroom, you're not getting a drink, you're, you are a statue until that baby wakes up. And so I have my phone out, and I Googled golf courses for sale, and a lot of them are in, like, the one, two, three millions, and uh, I found one with, with six-figure price tag, and it's in Oregon. I thought, well, Joe might might know if this is a good investment. It's in Lake Ridge Golf Course. Asking price of $825,000 in uh, Lakeview, Oregon. Now, I did a little research. Not a huge population in the area. No. But but part of the advertisement is it's the only golf course for a long, long, long ways. So, I don't know. Joe, is this is this a good investment? Nine holes, flat, farmland course. Looks pretty enough. It does look pretty. I have uh, many thoughts on this. The first of which being we have a large section of our audience that is in Portland and the Pacific Northwest. And when you hear Lake Ridge, Lake Ridge is a high school that is close to the Portland area, one of the most wealthy high schools in the area. So when people hear Lake Ridge Golf Course, they're probably thinking this is in Lake Oswego or West Lynn, maybe in the outlying areas of Clackamas County. You could not be farther off. It's about as far south as you can get in the state of Oregon while still being in the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Lakeview, Oregon is a town of about 4,000 people. I had to Google it. I'd never heard of it. Right. It is the tallest town in Oregon because of how high an elevation it is. And this golf course uh, does have water rights privileges, which is something that <laughs> comes with the deed, apparently. Uh, a shade under $900,000. Um, in short... At this time of my life, I don't think it's a good investment. Now, no. if I was, I don't know, 20 years older or $20 million richer, perhaps this would be something I would look into because I always joke 
that rich people are really bad at being rich. Instead of trying to acquire more wealth and acquire more things, I would love to be a radio DJ at a very small radio station. I think this is the golf version of that, right? I would buy a small golf course in the middle of nowhere. I wouldn't necessarily need to turn a profit. It would be a labor of love and I could build it up and really sink a lot of money into this thing. And it wouldn't matter because I was so wealthy and really make it my own. I could fly you down. Romy would come down. The Atherton Invitational would be there every year. Mm-hmm. Perhaps we could have an offshoot at the Corner Club Open. See, the mine is already turning. I don't need to make money. I need to make memories here. Now, as a 37-year-old man who has a mortgage, some student loans still outstanding, a couple of other debts, you know, trying to move, move up in the world, <laughs> retire at some point in my life before I'm 75, no, I don't think this is probably the best investment for me. As a father of two very young children, I'm assuming this is not something you're considering either. No, you know, not really. It looks like there may be a property, like a, a residence on the property. Right. And, you know, then you start thinking, okay, well, like, if that's my mortgage and my business, you know, my business investment. And, you know, if I just don't know, I just don't know how you're going to get your money back. You know, even if there's, if there's 4,000 people, I don't know if 250 of them are avid golfers, are they really going to bankroll your, this whole golf course every single yes. year? I just don't know. And practically speaking, we can both work remotely, but my lady hosts a TV show. Your lady is a soccer coach. They need to be in densely populated areas, so it's probably not the best life move for either of us at this point. It seems like a lot of fun. We should probably do a follow-up to this and Alderbrook Golf Course. Um, Why don't we make a note of that? Like it yeah. literally, I'm looking at this course. I'm like, man, you could live there. You could mm-hmm. own this. You know, there'd be a hundred guys who come and play every day, nine months a year. Yeah, that could be fun. But I don't know. I just, I just don't think. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It does look like fun. Sadly, I think there's going to be more and more of these golf courses for sale as we move in the coming years and coming weeks. Nick, it's, I think this is going to become more prevalent. You're probably right. I actually played a course. I don't know if I ever mentioned on this podcast two, two or three years ago. I think it was, I think it was 2019. I think it was right before COVID. And I played a course that was like a little farther out than I normally than the like Hemlock Ridge. It was maybe mm. like 25, 30 minutes from me. It was a nine hole course. It was, it was all right. You know, it was not bad. It was a little something different. And I, I came in to the shop after my round and I said, how much do you guys charge for, for annual pass here? And they said, this is it. We're, we're shutting down like this is our last year. It was late wow. in the year. It was like it was like late October. So you, wow. it was like the last days of, of the course being open. I'm wow. like, oh, that's, what a shame. Like it just seems like a shame when a piece of property that is built and mowed and grown into being a golf course like gets let go and overrun and, and, and like dies. And you'd hate, you'd hate to see that happen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. There used to be a country club sort of close to where I grew up and most of the kids on my high school golf team belong to it, Pleasant Valley. And I left for college in 2003 and 18 months later, the country club was shut down and it has now been developed and there's like a, you know, a Les Schwab and a a Fred Meyer and stuff over there. So they reclaimed the property, but it is really weird when you spend a lot of time in a place and all of a sudden it's just gone and not anything that you remember it to be. Yeah, it's too bad. This course also looks like it's it's a nine hole course. It looks like nine yeah. just dead straight holes. Like I don't see a oh, single yeah. like like dog leg or a like water feature or even well, bunker. Maybe there's a couple bunkers in there. Yeah. So I yeah. That's gonna be the part of the Nick. That's not that's gonna be part of the though. redesign. We're gonna put all kinds of pot bunkers in there. Get some water features. You know, throw some trees down. 
That'll help us earn the money back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll get our money back in years. Um, Well, with that, it is now time for the Mad Golfer of the Week. It's brought to you, as always, by T-Box Coffee, a roast-to-order coffee brand in the heart of Southern California, packaged for the golfer who can shoot 68, 112, and every score in between. Let T-Box fuel your morning rounds. Promo code TURN15. Are you back on hot coffee or you're sticking with uh, the cold brew for now? Back on hot coffee. The cold yeah. brew is I, it's really nice, but it's just it's too much work, honestly. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Like the last thing I gotta do before I go to bed is make sure that my son's lunch is is made for the next day. And right. then I have to choose if I want to spend twenty five more minutes making my coffee or if I could just do it in the morning. Yeah, twenty five minutes of sleep, I'm sure for you always wins out. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh this mad golfer of the week, we have two, Nick. So a little bit of a backstory. Mm. Um I am going on a mini golf trip with the boys this weekend. We're going wait, to wait, wait. mini golf, <laughs> a golf trip, <laughs> mini in time, but uh, standard in length of course and holes. Got it. We are going to Mount hood resort. So there are three nines at Mount hood. This is a very slept on property and we're going to play all 27 holes in one day. And we're going to spend the night. I found a condo that's actually on the golf course. So we may or may not be rigging glow balls to sneak out there in the middle of the night, drunk and playing out there. That's neither here nor there. My buddy texts me. He's like, hey, are we playing golf on Monday? Because it's Labor Day by the time you're listening to this. And I was like, well, I wasn't really playing on it. And secretly, I'm thinking, look, after 27 holes, no one's going to want to play golf on Monday. But they're like, ah, why are we spending the night if we're not playing golf? Fine. So 20 minutes away from the Mount Hood Resort course is Eagle Creek, which is in Estacada, Oregon, back towards Portland. Estacada is probably one of the first places that you would consider the boonies when leaving Portland, right? This is real densely uh, Christmas tree land. So if you're going out, if you live in Portland, you're going out, you want to cut your own tree down, which most people do, Estacada is one of the hot places to do it couple of golf courses out there, Eagle Creek, which is fine. It's very inexpensive, a bit of a cow pasture, but if you're looking for cheap golf, it's okay. And I knew, Nick, usually when I Google these, I think to myself, well, it's going to be a little bit difficult to find bad reviews because very popular golf courses. I knew I wasn't going to have to look very hard with Eagle Creek. The first one, quote, I showed up an hour before my tea time and the gate was closed and nobody was in the pro shop. Even tried calling their phone number and no answer. The sign on the door said open, but nobody was around. Still was charged the full price of the round. And after calling golf now, there was still no resolution. So now I'm out the money and the round of golf. Nick, did you come up with the same solution I did to this problem? Um, well, I just am wondering why if the gate was closed, why you're surprised nobody answered the phone inside the pro shop. <laughs> what I'm wondering is why you didn't park in front of the gate, leave a note that said, hey, I'm on your golf course and just get out there and play golf. Yeah. Why do we make things so complicated? Yes, this 100%. Hemlock Ridge used to have a gate and they would close it and yeah. I would park next to the second tee box. Yeah. Right. And and they'd say, like, that's cool. If it's ever closed, if we ever forget to open it or whatever, just just go play. Yeah. It's already paid. It's very clearly a family run golf course. Maybe someone got sick. Who knows? Just get your ass out there and play. Quit, quit, quit bothering everybody. This one I just had to add because I thought it was so funny. This is this is our second mad golfer of the week. This is titled 
The tea boxes, the hardest I've ever encountered. <laughs> Quote, Eagle Creek is a no frills course, but good value for the money. My primary complaint is the tea boxes are so hard that it was nearly impossible to get a tea in the ground. <laughs> this may not seem like a big deal, but by the end of the round, it is a bit infuriating. <laughs> I'm just, the reason I find this so funny is I'm just imagining this guy having a slow boil and he's like, oh, the first couple is like, well, that was kind of hard, but not too annoying. Makes a triple on seven. And then on the eighth <laughs> hole, he's getting kind of pissed. And by the time he gets to 18, he's just screaming as he tries to bang a tee in the ground with a seven iron. Uh, oh, it is a very good visual. Uh, I gotta get the little drill. Get the little, uh, the little electric drill. I think I'm going to try to do like a like a quick 30 second vlog of Eagle Creek if we go out there. Just like, you know, a oh, nice overview it, of the course, do my own rating. I'll see if I'm motivated enough to do it after 27 yeah. holes and binge drinking the night before. 27 is is not that many holes, I feel like. It's not and we're going to be at a cart for 18 of them. It's going to be a very plush setup. I think I think we'll be okay. I think it'll be fine. I agree that with is. the boys. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to with the boys. It'll 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 be good. That's your Mad Golf for the Week brought to you by Tea Box Coffee. All right, get out your rule books. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Turn 20 at checkout theme song still pending. Nick Rules. So I was playing golf earlier this year, like one of my first rounds of the year, and I got paired with three other people. One, it was it was a father-son and then like the son's friend. And the, the son was around my age, late 20s, early 30s or so. Um, Wait, what would you just say? Uh, around my my generation, okay. Okay, my great. generation, yes. sure, that's fair. Something like that. <laughs> uh, so on the fourth hole, I I hit a putt, probably four feet past the hole, and I was the first to putt. So I went to go mark it because at least two other people had putts on my line farther out. So I was gonna mm-hmm. you know regroup myself after a, a pretty horrendous putt, uh, watch watch theirs, and then and then finish up. And the father and the son are like. It's still your turn. And I'm like, I kind of look up and they're like, yeah, people don't know this, but when you putt the ball, like once it's, once you putt, it's your turn until you hole out. People are like, people, nobody, under, nobody understands this. Nobody knows the rules of golf, but it's just one of those weird rules that, that nobody knows. Wait, they are telling you this? They're telling, and I'm like, I'm like, do you know who I am? Like, do you know Nick rules? Like, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> and, and so I'm like, honestly, I'm like, cool. I'd rather just finish. I'd rather speed up anyways. Like I, it didn't bother me, but it kind of, that thought kind of just lingered in my head. Like, sure. That's not a rule. It's, it's, it's like acceptable to be like, I'll finish if you just have a tap in and just clear the stage and get out of the way and keep things moving. But they were like borderline lecturing me on like, how, how dare I try to mark my ball after I, after I hit a putt. And I just thought it was a little bit strange. Side note, good dudes. I actually ended up playing with them one or two more times, just being at the same course at the same oh. time, same day of the week, and good, good dudes. But it led me to to look this up. So the the thing I'm referring to, or they're referring to, is called continuous putting, which which basically it was it was a rule. It was introduced first by the USGA in 1966 as a optional local rule where the course could say continuous putting, where you once you putt, it's your turn until you hole out. Continuous putting is in play. The committee has said that whatever we're going to help speed up pace of play. That was in 66. In 68, it became a rule of golf. 
until 1970. So there was this very like flash in the pan run of continuous putting. First, they said, do it if you want it. Then they said, you have to do it. Then they completely obliterate it from the rule book in 1970. So perhaps the father in this scenario was in his impressionable golf stage of his life in 1968 when this was a rule and then that rule has been passed generationally onto his son who still today believes it to be a mandate of the rules of golf but i'm here to clarify that continuous putting is not in fact a rule of golf it was an optional local rule in 1966 it was a rule from 1968 to 1969 and 1970 it's been removed from the rule book however not a bad way to speed up pace of play if you don't really have too much on the line it's not i i've never even heard that that term continuous putting before until today um but like the situation that you're describing where they told you to putt like they're obviously getting a huge advantage by seeing you putt on their line four feet from the hole which i have to assume is part of the motivation for doing that and also i think it is very common that when you are not away from the hole and you are trying to finish out, even if it's a tap-in, that you ask, can I finish? Yes. It's not that you are saying that you're going to finish. You are asking the people that are farther away because it is their turn. Can I now finish? Exactly. That's why I was so yeah like, caught off guard when they were like explaining to me how matter of fact this is a rule of golf. And I'm like totally open to the idea that I could be way off and this could be a rule of golf. But I'm like, more than likely, uh, there's something else going on here. Like, obviously, I understand it's etiquette that if you just have a tap in or if you just have like, you know, a foot, foot and a half left and you just want to get out of the way, it makes sense. But like it being a rule of golf. And then I was like trying to note, like, are they finishing after every time? Are they marking any of their second putts? But I was just too enamored with my own game to to keep track of any of that. Just so impressed with your own putting skills. You couldn't even concentrate on anything else. Yeah, man. Late 60s, early 70s. Very strange. You know, Vietnam, people could drink at age 18 for a couple of years and I guess continuous putting. Just a weird couple of years in American history there, I guess. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And that is Nick Rules. We've been teasing it for weeks and weeks. And Nick, if we commit to it on the podcast, then I think we have to do it. Next week's episode, please read Alan Shipnuck's Phil. Came out in May. I'm... I would say a third of the way through it. So I'm going to blow through the rest. It's a very quick read. I just haven't sat down and done it. The stories that I've gotten through so far are kind of amazing. It's so good. It's really good. I I don't want to give too much away. I wouldn't say the prose is great, but the stories in there are very good. That's my, that's my five second review of the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it next week. Hey, absolutely. It's September by, by the time this has come out. The Idaho Vandals will have beaten the Washington State Cougars in football. Yes. That's the reverse jinx. Apparently, the Cougs have a good quarterback this year. Apparently, we got some cool transfer guy. Joe, I can't let you off the hook without without giving me the 30-second explanation of, are you the Glendevere men's club champion? (laughs) I did have the low score on the course. I did birdie the first. Well, let me finish that sentence. For a moment in time. Through two holes, through two holes, I was two under and had the low score on the course. And uh, somehow I hit 10 fairways with my driver and shot 83 and didn't putt that bad. It was a very strange round, a very strange round. I am not the Glenvere men's club champion. I did not make the podium, 
But damn it, at least I tried. And we'll try again next year. So you and Joanne Connor with a pair of 83s. <laughs> yeah. Look, there are good 83s and bad 83s. It's a very important distinction. It was so funny because on last week's pod, I did listen back to it. And you said something to the effect of, you're going to listen back to this and know what you shot talking about this. And I'm like, yeah, I'll probably shoot another 83. And then I did shoot another 83. That's, That's so why good. we play. It's like, hey, does that does that count as a correct a correct prediction in a, in a golf in a major championship? <laughs> yeah, the streak is now back <laughs> of predicting scores correctly. Hey, thank you again for listening to the podcast. Next week, we're going to talk about Phil. Going to talk about the book. Even if you hadn't read it, there's so many good stories in the book that I would encourage you listen to that episode. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.